Hello and welcome to the First Baptist Church of LaGrange. What an honor it is to have you listening to our church broadcast today. We hope that as you listen along, following in your Bible, that you experience the grace and presence of Christ just as strongly as we do every Sunday in our worship service. May God truly bless you as you listen. Wow, church, thank you all for that sweet time of prayer. Was that good or what? Man, hallelujah, man. I needed that probably more than you did. I mean, just praise the Lord, man. I, I told you I'd give you just a sneak pre, uh, peek of what the Lord did on our mission trip. And, man, we, uh, we did vacation Bible school in the afternoons. It was about 190, and uh, it was crazy hot. But we had an average of about 118 kids come to our vacation Bible school and man, on the last day, uh, we gave the gospel, and I, I just want to tell you, man, this will blow your mind, but 54 kids have prayed to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I just want to tell you from the bottom of my heart, thank you for the money. Thank you for the prayers. Thank you for sending us out as your missionaries. And there, there is a process in place to follow up with each and every one of those kids, and, and we can't wait to share with you more about what God did the other thing is, um, man, um, on August the 20th, so today's the 6th, and then we've got the 13th, and then we've got the 20th. On the 20th, we're going to have a baptism Sunday. And so uh, depending on how things go, we've, we've already got three people maybe lined up for that day. And I just kind of want to let you know about that, because if you've never been biblically baptized... Uh, and I mean by that is you've come to faith in Christ and then you've been baptized by immersion, man, that would be a great day to do that. And so if you want more information about that, you'd like to talk about that, Pastor Justin and myself, we're around, the staff is around, other people around, our deacons are around. We'd love to help you find out how you maybe can be baptized. And then here's something else I'm just going to let you know. I'm going to go to Walmart and I'm going to buy some clothes for every size individual that I can think of. And then I'm going to buy some towels. And on that Sunday, if you're still unreserved, but the Spirit moves in such a way that, that you have to just follow through, we're going to have clothes for you to change into, to be baptized, and then you can put your other clothes back on. So I'm just going to try to remove any and all reasons and excuses why we couldn't follow the Lord and believers' baptism. So as a church, if you be praying, that the Lord do a great work on that day? Amen. Would you, would you join me in that prayer? Would you believe God that we can... We can just do something amazing uh, and just testify to God's goodness on that day. Man, let's get into the Word. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Thank, thank you, Josh. I tried to teach the church, but y'all ready? Y'all ready for the Word? Okay. All right. Just, just, just testing the waters. How many of you in the house have ever watched the show Shark Tank? Anybody? Everybody watch that show? Okay, that's good. Know who I'm talking to here. Um, I don't know if you've seen Shark Tank. Some of you haven't in the room. It's a really simple idea. Um, the sharks are really these investors. They have a lot of money, and they hear these pitches from different companies that want money to help their company or their product kind of grow. And then these sharks decide whether or not they're going to invest in that company, that person, that product. Now, self-confession here, I don't really like watching Shark Tank. And here's why. Because my family always finds reasons to buy the stuff that's on the show. Only reason I don't like it. But my kids really like the show, and I like for them to watch it because I want them to get an entrepreneurial spirit about them to not just accept things, but to maybe make a difference and to use their gifts. And so I enjoy Kesed and I having conversations about what that might look like. Uh, but, you know, on one of the shows not, not too long ago, there was this, uh, there's this company called Nature's Wild Berry. You may have seen it. And they were marketing this little tiny berry, a little red round berry that when you chewed it for about 30 seconds, it would change the way everything tasted. And so it's grown in different parts of the world. And some people actually call it the miracle berry, but these guys have marketed it to call it nature's wild berry. And so what it really does is you chew it for about 30 seconds and it coats your tongue completely. And so what happens is, is your taste transmitters begin to be blocked and the amazing thing is, is somehow this berry does this. It changes the way sour and bitter things taste and makes bitter things taste sweet. That's what it does. It's, it's just cool. 
So these guys were demonstrating their product. And so this one guy, he took a lemon and he just bit into it and started chewing it. And he's like, man, this thing tastes like candy. And then he, he took a glass of vinegar and he drank it just straight up. I was like, man, this tastes exactly like very sweet apple juice. Then he took a sour pickle, an extremely sour pickle, and he just ate it. And he was like, man, this thing tastes like, like just chewing gum. This, this is crazy. And so what was really going on is, is that this coating of the tongue could, could make it so that the tongue could think and your brain would process that things that were once acidic, the things that were distasteful, things that were displeasant, will now all of a sudden become very sweet. And so you have to understand the mission of the company is to help people overcome sugar addictions and to help people who couldn't eat healthy because they didn't like the way things tasted to make things that are, you think taste bad but are healthy make it tolerable for you to eat better. That, that was the whole goal of their company. You're saying, well, thanks for marketing that. I think I should look into that. And that's not what I'm trying to do. I want to tell you here's where I'm headed today. There's already nature's wild berry in existence. And his name is Jesus Christ. Because where we're going to head today is, is I really believe that God can take anything that's bitter in your life. And through the power of Jesus Christ, he can make it taste very sweet. That God can take the bitter things and transform them into something that's sweet today. You, you guys have lived long on the earth. I know you have. You've probably lived long enough to experience some bitterness in your life. Just as we were praying here, I was reminded of some of that. Maybe it's a long-term illness that you never saw coming. Maybe it's a disability that you've recently obtained or you've had since you were young that's kept you from living a very fulfilling life and you are just stuck in bitterness Maybe it's the loss of an important relationship in your life. Maybe you've been abandoned in marriage. Maybe you have kids who don't love you anymore and they just completely walked away from you. Some of you, you didn't make the team that you wanted to make. You didn't get to even try out because of things that happened in your life or Maybe you've just simply been taken advantage of. You've been lied to. You've been disrespected. Maybe you went and thought you were going to get a job, but you were bypassed, or that promotion that they promised you year after year just never seemed to come around. And life is full of bitter things. Anybody in the room just willing to testify with me that you've tasted and you know what bitterness is anybody in the room some bitter stuff in your life yeah the word of God teaches me that God can take those things which are bitter and he can transform in the sweet things when we look to Jesus Christ because this is really the message of the cross that's the message that we're going to jump into today I want to take you to the book of Exodus I'm going to take you to Exodus chapter 15. So if you've got a copy of God's Word, you can go ahead and crack that, that open to Exodus 15. So Genesis, Exodus, second book of the Bible. And if you don't have a copy of God's Word, there's some hopefully in the seats, under the seats around you. It will be up here on the screen, but, but I really, beloved, there's something about bringing your physical copy to church with you. I just want to encourage you. Uh, however you need to do that, I just want to encourage you. It teaches your brain you're going somewhere special when you take this book out. I'm just telling you. It just does. But I want to give you four ways. Just answering the how. how. How does God do that? How does God take the bitter and make it sweet? I want to, I want to walk us through that. And so I'm going to be in Exodus chapter 15, and, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 22. As I was here last week, Justin did a really good job of this, and he said, Hey, you know what? This is our custom when we get to this. We stand to our feet, right? Well, can I just remind you? I just need you to know, this isn't the religious part where we do this. This isn't about religion to me. What I do when I have you stand is not because it's what we do in the service. It's because I want you to understand God is speaking, not Steve. 
that when God speaks, we give him our full attention, that something is happening in the service that's different than me speaking. That when God speaks, we give him our attention. That's why I want you to stand. Does that make sense? Okay, so would you stand with me? Because God is going to speak. Exodus chapter 15, beginning in verse 22. Then Moses led Israel from where, church? And they were out in the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness, and tell me what it says. And they found how much water? No water. Mm. And when they came to Marah, everybody say Marah. They couldn't drink the waters of Marah, for they were what? Tell me. Bitter. Therefore it was named Marah. So then the people grumbled at Moses saying, what shall we drink? Verse 25. Then he cried out to the Lord. Now do not miss these next words. And the Lord showed him a tree. And he threw it into the waters. And the waters became what, church? There he made for them a statute and regulation. And there he tested them. Can we just say that together? There he tested them. And he said, if you will give earnest heed to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I've put on the Egyptians for I the Lord am your what? Then they came to Elim where there were 12 springs of water and 70 date palms and they camped there beside the waters. You may be seated. God, please bless your word today. Oh, Father, through the power of your Holy Spirit, would you minister truth to our hearts? So here's the first thing I just kind of want you to see on, on how God moves us from bitter to sweet, how he makes the bitter sweet. And, and that, this first idea is this. We can express the thirst. We can express the thirst. So look there in verse 22. It says, then Moses led them. Right? And they were in this wilderness, and they were three days in, and they found no water. Well, see, you've got to know that the beginning of Exodus chapter 15, if you go back there and read it, you can look there. Those verses begin with a song, S-O-N-G. And the people of Israel and Moses are singing a song of triumph because God has just brought the people of Israel across the Red Sea on dry ground. This was an incredible miracle of God. That's why it's called the Exodus, by the way. Exodus means a coming out. So they were coming out of their slavery and bondage of Israel. And then as he brought them out, Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and all of his armies were chasing after them, trying to bring them back or even trying to destroy them. And they came to the Red Sea. And if you'll remember, Moses stands in front of the Red Sea and he raises his staff. And what happens? The Red Sea parts, and there's this wall of water on the right, there's this wall of water on the left, and the people of God, a million plus people, were walking through on dry ground. It was such a miracle that over 140 times or more in the Old Testament, it is referenced over and over again. It was huge in the life of the people of God. So at the beginning of this chapter, they've just come across the Red Sea, seeing the miraculous miracle of God. They're singing praises to God. And now just three days later, three days later, They're in the wilderness of Shur, and now they can find no water, and they start complaining. The Bible says that they were looking for water. They were thirsting for water. They were hoping for water. Now, think about it, if you will. It's hard enough for one person in the desert to go without water, but can you imagine hundreds of thousands, even a million plus people, including women and children and their animals going without water? Can you imagine the scene? They were beginning to panic, as you, were, as you would and as I would. And, and beloved, here, what I'm trying to tell you today is, is this, this right here is what the Holy Spirit of God is trying to show us is, is that is the exact picture of everyone's life without Jesus Christ. There's a thirst in every single one of our lives that only Christ can feel. There's a thirst in all of us that only Jesus can satisfy. So all we have to do 
It's just expressed that we're thirsty. Some years ago, down in South America, this crew of Peruvian sailors were, were headed toward the Amazon River, and they came across this strange sight. The Peruvian uh, sailors, they saw this Spanish ship was anchored off the coast, and all the sailors on the Spanish ship were just stretched out, laying on the deck of the ship. And as the Peruvians drew closer, they saw that the Spaniards were in terrible condition. Their lips were parched, and their bodies were beginning to swell. They were literally dying of thirst. So the Peruvians just shout up, and they're like, hey, can we help you? And the, the Spaniards cried out with just parched lips, water, water. We need fresh water. The Peruvian sailors, surprised at that request, told him, guys, just lower your buckets and help yourself. The Spaniards responded back that, no, 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 you don't understand. We need fresh water. So the Peruvians just responded back, just, just lower your bucket and help yourself. And finally, these Spaniards lowered their buckets, and to their surprise, they were embarked at the mouth of the Amazon River, which had fresh water, they didn't know they weren't in salt water. And so all they had to do was just simply ask for help, lower their bucket, and help themselves. Because I'm telling you, all you have to do is tell Jesus you need him. And lower your bucket and help yourself. Jesus was talking about this very subject with a woman at a well. And she asked him for some water. John chapter 4. Jesus answered her and said to her, everyone who drinks of this natural water will thirst again. Whatever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. And the woman said, sir, what'd she say? Give me this water so that I will not be thirsty anymore. See, see here in our text this morning, we have a picture of our thirst without God, without Christ in our life. There's a thirst that only he can satisfy. And listen, you know as well as I know, you can pretend in your life right now that you are not thirsty, that you don't need this Jesus. You can try to ignore it. You can even try to go to other sources to quench your thirst. But I'm telling you, you know it as well as I know it. Nothing else can satisfy. Years after the time of Moses, David was in the wilderness of Judah. He was in a thirsty place. He was on the run. He was being hunted down. They were trying to kill him. And there in the midst of that thirsty place, he writes these words in Psalm 63.1. Oh God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Listen, until you and I come to Jesus Christ in repentance and faith, you and I will be living in a thirsty land where there is no water. And some of you within the sound of my voice right now, some of you are right there. You're in that land. You are thirsty and you're hoping something would satisfy you. You are looking all over to every entity in life to try to fulfill that thirst. I'm just telling you, there is a thirst inside of you and Jesus is the only one who can satisfy your thirst. So just like that woman, I'm telling you today, just simply say, I'm thirsty. Just simply come to Christ and say, I've heard that you have the living water for my soul. I am thirsty. Just express your thirst. Please, Jesus, satisfy my soul. So if I'm going to move from bitter to sweet, the first thing is, as I express the thirst. And secondly, then here's the rough part. We can endure the test. We can endure the test because in verse 23, look there, when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, it was called Marah. So the people grumbled at Moses, saying, what shall we drink? I'm in verse 25 now. 
Then he cried out to the Lord. The Lord showed him his tree. He throws in the waters. It becomes sweet. There he made for them a statute and regulation. And there he tested them. Now, they've been wandering around for three days. They're thirsty. They have no water. And suddenly they come to Marah. And I'll be honest with you, I don't know whether a child saw this first, I don't know whether one of the women saw it, if a group of men saw it, I don't know what happened, but there it was, glistening in the sunlight, something that looked unmistakably like a body of water. And so the, the people of Israel gather around this, this, this oasis of water, they're, they're dying of thirst, they began running to it. The, the people of Israel gather, I, I don't know, maybe their, their tongues are hanging out of their mouths, they're, they're just desperate, maybe they begin cupping their hands and just throwing the water on them. Maybe they act like dogs and they just start licking it up. Maybe they just put their faces right down into it and just start sucking away. I don't know. But as soon as that water hit their taste glands, what happened? The Bible says it was bitter as all get out. I mean, one of my pastor friends says it this way. He says, their faces turned inside out. (laughs) Mara means bitter. You read about it over in the book of Ruth if you want to know more about it. So they named this place bitter because they couldn't drink it. The Bible says that the water was so bitter, so bad, so brackish, it was so undrinkable that they called it Mara. But, but here, if you're paying any close attention to things that are going on, your next question is this, and, and trust me, this is where I would be. Then why in the world... Would God lead them through the Red Sea three days into the desert only to lead them to water that they couldn't drink? That's a big question. Why would God do that? Look there at the end of verse 25, those four words. There he tested them. When it comes to God testing us, I don't like that kind of stuff in my life. I'm just going to be honest. I mean, Jacob, I've learned some stuff, man, about God. And here's one of the things I know. God tests me sometimes to find out what's in here and what's not in here. Some of you in the room, you're, you're big car people and truck people, and you build them and design them, Scott Given. You're an amazing kind of dude, and I love you, bro. But, but here's the deal, man. When you know, My limited understanding of that, here's kind of something I, I've learned, and I could be wrong, and I'm up for correction, but... When a car manufacturer designs a new car or a truck, they usually take it out on this thing called the test track, right? And they drive that, that, that new car through, through they, they test drive it through ice, they test drive it through just hot, heat, rough roads, roads with potholes, bumpy roads. They, they test it by slamming on the brakes. They make hairpin turns. They make sliding turns. They do burnouts. They try to overheat it. They try to just blow it up. They, they all, all they can, and, and they're really trying to figure out what this car has and what this car doesn't have. And I just want you to know, God is your manufacturer. And he's going to put you through some tests to find out what's there and what's not there. Now, I was in school, in high school, a long time ago. But, but here's something, I think it still happens, and maybe you could help me. I don't know, Angie, you can correct me, but I think this kind of, st- well, I mean, Jennifer, you're right. you guys can help me. Different ages, but I think this is kind of how it goes. Usually the way tests work in schools like this, the teacher teaches the lesson and then they give you the test. Is that the way it works? Y'all teachers in the room, are we good? Is this how it works? Because things have changed since I've been in school. I just need y'all to know. I mean, you have the lesson, they teach you, then they give you a little bit of review, and then sometimes they even tell you what's going to be on the test, right? I've walked with God long enough to know this, my God is a very unusual teacher. Because my God usually gives the test, then he gives you the lesson. It's usually what God does, he he gives you the test and then he'll teach you the lesson. 
And here's what I've realized walking with God most of my life. I don't even know that I'm taking a test. I mean, just wake up one day and you're like, what in the world's going on? My God, you don't make any sense to me. This ain't the way this is supposed to be. And, and then you begin to realize God is testing me to find out what's in here or to find out maybe what's not. You ever, ever been there? You ever been through a test? You in a test right now from God? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Well, there's five of you in here that are honest. That's okay. Well, now we got more <laughs> confession. Okay. And when you go through that test, you're like, God, what are you doing? And I trust me, I don't think there's anything wrong with asking those questions. But here's what I need to tell you. God may choose not to answer your questions. Because the way it happened for me in school is, is when I took a test, the teacher would answer questions before the test and after the quest, test, but never during the test. So a lot of times when you're going through the test and you wonder what God's up to and you're crying out to him, he's like, shh. It's test time. God was testing the Israelites, friends. God was testing them. And when you get thirsty for the things of God, there's coming a test, I'm just telling you. And you're going to have to endure the test or you're going to have to retake it. There is no getting out of this with the Lord. Maybe you're going through a test in your marriage. Maybe you're going through a, a family test. Maybe it's a health test. Maybe it's just a test of your mental state, and you're wondering what God is doing. I want you to lean in. I want you just to hear me say this one more time. What is God doing? God is using that test, even the bitter time in your life, to bring out the best in you and to draw you closer to him. That's what he's doing. He's wanting to bring out the best in you, and to draw you closer to him. But can I stand here unapologetically and tell you something you had better pay attention to? When God puts you under a test, the enemy will come and tempt you during that test. And the enemy will come and try to drive a wedge between you and God, between the promises of God and what you believe, and he will try to drive you as far away as possible from your faith, because during the test, you will also face temptation. God never brings temptation, but God allows tests, and you have got to understand where what's coming from. Tests will always drive you to God. Temptation always tries you to drive you away. The Bible talks about tests, and the, the Bible talks about what God is doing during the test. It says in Proverbs 17.3, it says, the refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests what? So think about that. In other words, to take the fine metals and to make them pure, to make them more valuable, to increase their value, to make them shine of the reflection of the one that's holding them. They go through the furnace, they go through the fire, they go through the test. And it's through that testing that the impurities are revealed, that the things that aren't there are, are, are brought up. It's those things that, that, that are looked at and the Lord can see it. And that's what's happening in your heart during this time of testing. God is refining your heart so that all that is impure in your life can be brought there so that you can be more usable in his hands. He removes all that shouldn't be there, and he makes you better during that test. God was testing his people not to punish them, but to make them better. God still tests people. In fact, I believe this with all my heart right now. God is testing some of you in this room today. God is testing some of you listening online. If you're listening by way of the radio, God right now is going to be testing you. And he's testing you to take that which is bitter in your life to make it sweet. And you just have to endure the test. Remember the purpose of the test. It's to draw you close and to remove things in your life that aren't right. Hang on. It, it, it's bitter now. I know it. I, I am currently in one. But I promise you, my God can take me from bitter to sweet, and he can you too. You just have to endure the test. So you express the thirst, and then you endure the test. But, but here's, it gets better. Thirdly, we can embrace the tree. 
Got to embrace the tree. Verse 25 says that Moses cries out to the Lord, but look back in verse 24. What does it say the people do? The people grumble against the Lord. You notice the contrast? The people are mumbling and crying out against the Lord, but Moses cries out to the Lord. It's just super interesting to me. The people complained against Moses, and as they complained against Moses, the man of God, they were complaining against God. The people complained against Moses, but Moses cries out to the Lord. And when you and I are going through bitter times of testing, here's the question. Are you going to complain against God, or will you cry out to God? The people of Israel faced a test, and man, they flunked that test. I'm just telling you, they flunked the test big time. It's kind of like the, the story of the, the student who goes and he takes a test in his college classroom, and, and man, he gets the test back, the professor hands him the test, and it's got an F minus on the test. The student goes up to his professor and says, listen, hey, prof, I don't think I deserved an F minus on my test. And the professor's like, yeah, you're right. I agree. You don't deserve an F minus but it's the lowest grade that I could give you. I mean, the people of Israel had flunked the test bad, guys. They weren't going to trust the Lord after all that he had done for them. They they couldn't trust him to provide water. If God can move mountains of water, don't you think he could give you something to drink? They weren't trusting him. They, They got the lowest grade possible. Instead of trusting God or even crying out to God for help, they were complaining against the leaders God put in their life and eventually complaining. But yet, what did Moses do? He cries out to the Lord. And when he cries out to the Lord, this is where something in my study rocked my world. You ready for this? Look in verse 25. He cries out to the Lord in his time of testing. Verse 25 says, And when he cried out to the Lord, the Lord showed him a tree. (laughs) You can't appreciate this yet, but, but the tree had been there the entire time. Hey, Bible students. Those people who are in here to learn something, I want you to come in. Come, come to class with me just for a second. I want to teach you something. Look in your Bible at that word showed. I just want to, I want to show you something about the word showed. The Lord showed him a tree. That is the same root word for the word Torah. Said differently, the Lord toured him a tree said in our language, the Lord took his word and showed him something that had already been there. I'm going somewhere. See, unless the Lord shows it to you, you're never going to see it when you're in a time of testing and a time of bitterness. Unless the Lord, through the power of his Holy Spirit, opens your eyes to see what's in his word, you're going to miss it. The Lord literally took his eyes through the power of his word and let him see something that was already there. There will be a time when you are going through your testing and in your bitterness that the the Lord through the power of his Holy Spirit is going to show you something in his word that has been there the entire time. And when God opens your eyes to see it, you're going to hold on to it like a promise from your father and you're not going to let it go. And then you're going to say, this is how God's going to move me from bitter to sweet. I can hold on to his promise. It's been there the entire time. But praise God, I've just seen it. I promise you that's what's going to happen. It's going to blow your mind, and it's going to make everything change. But hang on, because we got to go somewhere else with this, because Moses took that tree, and he put that tree in the water, and suddenly the undrinkable, brackish, nasty water became sweet, and they could drink and satisfy their thirst. But pay attention. There was nothing magical about that tree. Nothing magical about that tree. Or otherwise, they would have carried that tree around with them in the desert. It would have been like the original sweetener. They would have called it Trivia. The natural sweetener. And every time they went through a bitter time, they'd just break out the tree and put a little bit in their coffee and it'd be all good, right? 
That's what we do as the people of God. We want a relic. We want something. Nothing special about that tree. It's what God did with the tree that changed everything. You may not have caught it, but can I help you, church? Can you hear my heart just for a second? Don't miss what's happening here. There was nothing magical about that tree. It's what God did with it. And can I tell you, what we have here is a picture of people's life without Christ. But then God chooses to intervene with something else called a tree. It's called the cross. And there was nothing special about the wood they nailed Jesus on. Everything was special with what God did with it. The Bible tells the story of so many trees. In the book of Genesis, there's the tree of life, and there's a tree of knowledge of good and evil. And in Genesis chapter 3, the first man and woman partake and ate of the fruit, the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And when they did, they sinned against God. You know that. As a result, they, they died spiritually, and they began dying physically. They were banished from the Garden of Eden, banished from the presence of God, banished from eating of the tree of life. But in the book of Revelation, once again, describes the tree of life in the heavenly city, the new Jerusalem. And the Bible says that the, the leaves of that tree are for the healing of the nations. You see, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil where man sins in Genesis, yes, and there's a tree of life that brings healing forever in the book of Revelation, but in the middle there is another tree called the cross of Calvary. And the Bible says, cursed is anyone who dies on that tree. Jesus was nailed to the tree of Calvary. He bore the curse of my sin and your sin so that I could pass from death to life. What happened in the garden could be overcome. I could be delivered from death because of my sin and placed into eternal life because of what Jesus did on that tree. Praise God for the tree, amen. No matter how bad my circumstances, can I tell you this? Can I stand here and testify? Oh, God, help me testify right now. No matter how bitter my experience, the love of Jesus expressed by the cross of Christ will sweeten any experience. And you may be here and you may say, like I once said, Pastor, that's just too simple to be true. You are just flipping naive. That's probably what you're saying to me. And I'll tell you, you're probably also thinking Jesus doesn't solve everything. Can I lovingly say to you that the reason you may feel that way is because you have yet to experience the power of that tree. Beloved, when you truly know the power of the cross, when you truly understand the power of Jesus Christ, when you fully understand the love of God revealed at the cross of Jesus, just like that tree that was thrown into the toxic waters of Mara that made it sweet, when you embrace the cross of Jesus Christ, the bitterness in your life becomes the sweetness of God in your life. The text tells us that the tree was already there, but God showed it to Moses. Listen to me. You may not have thought about it this way, but I am here today to tell you something new. The cross of Jesus has always existed. It's always been there. And until today, God takes the preaching of his word right now in this moment, takes the preaching of his word and shows you the cross for the first time. You would miss it. But today, he's going to take your eyes and he's showing you right now something that has always existed. The cross of Christ has always existed. It didn't just show up in Jerusalem that day. The Bible says that before the foundations of the earth, Jesus Christ was crucified for me. The cross has always been there, but God through his word, through the preaching of his word today can show you what you have never seen, that you need to embrace that tree. The Bible says that Jesus was the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world, just as it was written in the Torah of God. Just as that tree pointed Moses to the Messiah, now that tree is pointing us to the Messiah. The righteousness of God is found in faith in Christ for all who believe. Just as that tree at Mara transformed the bitter waters into sweet waters, the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ can transform the bitter waters of your sin into the sweet blessings of God as miraculous miraculous, as miraculous as the healing waters at Mar were, it's even more remarkable to me that God would do a miracle to people who were complaining against him. And I am here today to tell you that the Bible is still that way because my God is a gracious God. And those people were complaining and didn't deserve sweet water. 
Those people were complaining against God and didn't deserve that sweet water. But my Bible is consistent, the same yesterday, today, and forever. It never changes because the Bible says in Romans 5.8 that while I was still a sinner, Jesus Christ died for me, that God demonstrated his love that while I was still sinning, Jesus died. While they were still sinning, God provided a tree. That's who he is. He never changes. So thank God for the tree, folks. That when I'm thirsty in my soul, I call out to my God and I I go through some hard times, but then God shows me something that was never there. He shows me Jesus and he radically changes my life. Has your life ever gone from bitter to sweet because of Jesus? If so, say amen. Well, then you know what we need to do right now? We need to do the book. Some of you are saying it's lunchtime. Do the book at lunchtime then. I'm all right if you leave. You never hurt my feelings. I know what time it is. So then let's just sing. Y'all all right if we sing something? We ain't done yet, but we're going to sing. So Jeremy, you guys come on up here. Because right now, I think we need to sing. Here's what God did in my heart. God told me that if that tree really is what it is, that we ought to sing about it. That tree, if, if, if I hear something that's that good, I've got, to, I've got to respond. That's what worship is. It's a response to the goodness of God. Worship is a response that when God speaks, we do something. God has spoken. He has provided that tree. He's moved us from bitterness to blessing. And so I just want to say thank you, Jesus, just right here in the moment. Just do the book. Because I promise you, when Moses and those people began to drink that sweet water, what do you think they did? Somebody had a shouting fest. Somebody got their hallelujah on. So this band's going to play and we're going to sing. I want to right now, would you just rise your feet? We're not done. I'll end quickly. But we're not done. But can we just sing and sing from our hearts? Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. was a wretch I remember who I was I was lost I was blind I was running out of time sin separated the breach was far too wide but from the far side of the chasm you held me in your made a way across the great divide left behind heaven's throne to build it here inside there at the cross you paid the debt I owe broke my chains freed my soul for the first time I had
want you just to take a seat just real quick. We're going to wrap this up. And I um, just want to tell you this last thing. You just kind of have to know this, that, that you can express your thirst. You endure the test. You embrace the tree. And listen, when you embrace the tree, number four, you can experience transformation. I want you to see what happened to the children of Israel. In verse 25, it says, there he tested them. Then he said, if you'll give earnest heed to the voice of the Lord, do what is right, give ear to his commandments, keep all the statutes, I'll put none of the diseases on on you which I put on the Egyptians, for I'm your healer. But pay attention. Then, after embracing the tree, then, they came to Elim where there were 12 springs of water, one for each of the tribes of Israel. They were no longer going to have to look for water. Because Jesus said, if you drink of the water that I give of you, you'll never thirst again. And then they had 70 date palms. And then they camped beside the waters. That's where I'm camping. I'm camping at the cross. How about you? But did you see it? God brought the people of Israel from testing into blessing and then from blessing to resting need you to see that. Elam was simply seven miles away. What may seem like an eternity of testing, God can bring you to a place of resting in a little to no time. God can do the same thing in your life if you just trust Jesus. 1 Peter 2.24 says that he himself, meaning Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness for by his wounds, your bitterness can be what? Healed. The band is going to sing another song and we're going to go into a time of invitation where we respond. Maybe today is the day you want to receive this living water. Maybe today you're just like, hey man, Lord, I want to pray that you just move me from this bitterness to blessing or maybe from blessing to resting. I don't know, but I want you just to pay attention just for 30 more seconds. In a church in Germany, in a city of Werden, there's this church that has this stone carving of a lamb hanging up beautifully in the front of their church. And the story of how it got there was that there were some men that were building the structure of that church and when they got toward building the end of it, the men were up on the roof and they were placing all the, the shingles where they should go and, and they were trying to put the finishing touches on it. And one of the workers fell off of that church and was falling down to the ground. And his friends knew immediately that he had fallen to his death. And so they began to scramble off of the roof and they got down. And when they got down the ground, they expected to find their, their friend just bloodied and, and just a marred mess from the Incredible fall. But when they got there, they found that he was standing there and laughing. They couldn't believe he was still alive. I mean, what had happened? What had happened is, is there was a, a little lamb was eating grass right under where he fell. And this man fell and he absolutely crushed the lamb. The lamb died. And the man lived. And out of gratitude for that lamb saving his life, he took his tools and he carved a picture of that little lamb and he put it upon that church. And I'm here today to tell you there's something else going on there. You've probably already figured it out. You and I, the only way that we can be saved from sure death is when we fall on the lamb. Jesus Christ was slaughtered on your and our behalf so that when we fall and we fell hard into sin, if we land on him, he would die, but we wouldn't. So I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know where you're at. This is a time where I believe the Lord wants to move us from bitterness to sweetness, and I'm pleading with you. I am imploring you to come to Jesus. So maybe you want to come to this altar, you want to get on your knees, and you want to cry out to the Lord. Maybe that's where you're at. You're going through something, and you just need to cry out and say, God, I'm thirsty. 
Maybe it's about your sin and your desiring to be forgiven. Come ask the Lord to help you, to help you, to forgive you of your sins. Maybe you're going through a test and you just want people to pray with you. Maybe you want to turn to each other in those chairs and pray for those who are going through tests. I don't know, this morning, maybe it is you need to embrace the tree. You need to come put your faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, to be brought from the bitterness of sin and to the newness of life. I don't know what it is. Maybe today you want to come express your confidence in his sovereign plan for your life. I don't know, but I need to tell you this. If you come thirsty, you're going to leave full. So would you stand with me? We're going to sing this song together. We'll quickly close us and get you out of here. But I believe we preach expecting God to do something. And I want to provide that opportunity. Lord Jesus, would you move? In your name I pray. Amen. There will be people here to receive you. You come.